Bob Talk Radio. Marcia Joyner, host of Betrayed by Hospice, brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit and our producer, Marty Oakley. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for spending time with us this evening. This program was created to provide information about what is happening to our elderly and disabled in the medical field in hopes of helping you save your loved one. It is not about politics or religion. But sometimes these topics cross over into the medical care, and in that vein, the guest experience and opinions are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the host or the producer. What we stress is for you to never accept what you were told, but to do your own research. We provide resources so you can find additional information. And what started as a show to offer victims' family a safe place to talk about their horrible experience with hospice has morphed into so much more. We now know that this is happening globally and not just in hospices, but in the hospitals, nursing homes, and long-term care facilities. The fact is that our elderly and disabled are not safe without a strong advocate fighting for them. And we know the why which is greed to save money for the government and industry, to make money for greedy people who show no ethics, no morals, or compassion, and the commodity is our unsuspecting loved ones. Hospice was created for the actively dying to minimize pain, but today it is a legal mechanism for hastening death. So when I talked about those resources, I would like to give you some information on those resources. An excellent resource for a list of the drugs and their effects is halovoice.org. That is H-A-L-O, voice, altogether, .org, which protects and advocates for the rights of the medically vulnerable. And they have a helpline that you can call with questions or concerns if you're considering putting your loved one into hospice. That number is 888-221-4256. And if you're aware, as many of us are, what is going on in hospice and you want to help them, they are always looking for volunteers and people having to answer the telephone and assist other people. They also have a sample legal life affirming medical document that could save your life if you're in the hospital, as well as much more information. And Michelle Young Dewars was a hospice respiratory therapist who wrote the book Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospice. In this book, she talks about signing quotas, promises made to patients, but not kept, 
and how they were betrayed by the very people who were supposed to be compassionate. She is a true warrior speaking up and and out against the betrayal being levied on our people. This is an excellent book. Another resource is LifeLegalDefenseFoundation.org, which has access to pro-life attorneys in most states within the continental United States. If you're trying to get your loved one out of a bad situation, they can help you. That number is 707-224-6675. And they can also help if you're in a situation where you're being forced to take this experimental COVID shot. But we'll talk about that in a few more minutes. There's also a book called Stealth Euthanasia, Healthcare Tyranny, that is written by Ron Panzer, who is also a hospice nurse who saw firsthand what was happening. He spoke up about it and continued to be an advocate. Um, You can download this book for free. And in Canada, there is information that you can find on medical documents and what is going on in in Canada, and that is called Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. It's initials EPCC.ca, and they have a helpline, too. That is 855-675-8749. And because I know a lot of this is a lot of information for you to write down, if you didn't know I was going to give you this, that's okay. You can listen to the program again and take notes, or you can contact me at marshajoiner2018 at gmail.com for location of this information. And I don't know if the rest of you know, but... I don't think the COVID-positive patients going into nursing homes was just accidental. I believe it was planned. And I don't think they were given the best of care. And I do believe that hospice was sent in to do the final deed. Seen it too many times. And they certainly took care of people who were costing too much money and under the guise of COVID and hospice help. And now they have a shot that is experimental that's being given to the most vulnerable people, and it's to help them, of course. Everyone has their opinion about whether or not it is a good idea to take this experimental shot. But it is prudent for you to be aware of both sides and the risk on both sides of that. And with that, I would like to introduce our guest tonight, who is Sarah Chojanine. She's been a nurse since 2004 and worked in the nursing home for most of her career. In 2017, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which was the catalyst for her life-changing actions. Through natural healing, she was able to become completely clean. She lost 60 pounds and mostly healed herself naturally. She has done extensive research on psychology and trauma and initiated an organization called Lighting Up Dark Corners to empower survivors as herself. She is known to be the voice of the voiceless, and she has all intentions of keeping it that way. She's been very vocal about what's occurring in long-term care facilities where she resides in Canada, and that doesn't sit well with management So they fired her. And as many of you have witnessed recently, 
being a nurse and speaking out against the lockdowns during this COVID is not a popular place to be. So the media has attacked her repeatedly. She co-founded Canadian Frontline Nurses, an organization aimed at uniting nurses, educating the public, and bringing ethics back into health care. And I think you would all agree ethics has gone out the window with health care. She envisions a future where health care is based mainly on preventive care, natural treatments, and treating the person as a whole, meaning caring for the mind, body, and spirit as one. So, Sarah, I'd like to give you the floor, and let's dive in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and for that great introduction. Well, you earned Um, it. Thank you. Um, I guess you want me to say a little bit more of my story in detail? I do, absolutely. Tell us what you've done, what you witnessed, and you know, where you're at now and what you're doing now. So just, you know, walk us through. So my name is Sarah Shijunian. I've been a nurse since 2004, and I worked in nursing homes for most of my career. Uh, Now, when you work in a nursing home, um, it's easy to see that the government doesn't really care about these people. You can see by what they eat, they get the cheapest of food possible, and um, the government tries to make as much, or the nursing homes, try to make as much of a profit out of, of them as possible and so that's why a big red flag ran uh, you know a big red flag in my head when they said that they were going to shut down the entire economy for these same seniors <laughs> um, I thought it didn't make any sense at all and so um, you know I thought no but at first I thought especially when they decided that they were going to shut down the nursing homes I thought this is crazy. Nobody's going to believe in this. And so I, w- I went to work thinking that everybody would be like me. And to my great surprise, it was the opposite. I was pretty much alone. And um, just so you know, for your information, at my workplace, I was chief steward of the union. I had a clean record and great annual reviews. So I didn't have any prior problems. And being um, chief steward of the union, you know, when they came out telling us that we had to get tested, and I already knew that the testing was not a diagnosis test, I called my union and I said, listen, this is what they're forcing us to do. Come help me. And um, the response I got was, don't you care about your residents? Isn't this a small act to do to protect your residents? And so I kind of figured, like, I have to be careful because I felt like my job was at risk and I'm a single mom. Um, I was scared, and so I kind of became quiet for a while, which was really unlike me. And I have to say I became uh, very anxious and unwell myself. My mental health went down a lot. But I thought maybe this will pass, you know. And so the first lockdowns passed, but then when the second ones happened, I mean, seeing the devastation already that the first one has done, uh, you know, keeping the parents out of um, the families, the kids or grandkids or loved ones out of the family is extremely detrimental to these residents. I mean, they have nothing left. This is the last stop for them. And all they have, they don't have any, uh, mostly none of the things that they collected in their lives, um, but all they have is their loved ones. And that's what really keeps them alive. You can see that when loved ones come, 
most residents come to life, even the ones that have no idea who they are, who their loved ones exactly. are, right? Right. Yeah. And so it was really detrimental to them, and you can see them deteriorating. And also, if you think, a lot of the people with dementia uh, deteriorated even more, and so that meant for more medications to be given to them to calm them down or, you know, rectify their behavior, uh, which was quite normal, if you ask me. And they're right. also locked in their rooms, and a lot of them will try to come out. And so, you know, they'll take away their walkers maybe. If they, you know, they keep coming out the rooms, they'll take away their walkers. So there's a lot of deterioration in that way where you see people, like, stop walking because they've had their walker taken away for two weeks, and that deteriorates very easily when you're a senior. If you don't practice, well, you lose it, Right. And so Absolutely. you can see people deteriorating that way, and then they end up in a chair. They're, they're more prone to falls. Uh, they're more prone to pressure sores, so lots of deterioration. And as you said, the advocates are not there to speak for the residents, which is extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. And things that would not have passed usually pass because the families are not there. So when Right, and, and the, a lot of them don't even know why their loved ones were not allowed to come in, you know, yeah, if they there's have a lot of, you know, abandonment a bit of dementia. Issues. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, because they go back into childhood and then there's abandonment issues. They don't understand what's this virus, what's this mask. Like, nothing makes sense to them. Um, like, you try to tell, there's a lot of language barriers, too, um, and they try to speak to their families through Zoom, but a lot of uh, Zoom meetings, a lot of them don't understand what that is. They can't hear well, they can't see well, and they just, or they react even worse after meetings because they don't understand and they're agitated. They want to see their families. Same with the visits, the window visits. A lot of families decide not to do it anymore because it creates more problems. Mm-hmm. Right? And so anyway, Because they don't back, understand. No, they don't. And it's detrimental. I've seen uh, one of my residents who used to, is very used to having our families every day come in, uh, very anxious until the daughter comes in. She would, as soon as I came to work, I knew I would call the daughter, ask her what time she's coming. And then this resident every five minutes would ask me, when's my daughter coming? And I would like um, calm her down telling her she's coming at this time, you know, and if she came five minutes late, she was very like agitated. She thought maybe she had an accident or and this resident had a heart problem, and so within a week she had she had a heart attack and died. Oh, so no. there, there is this is an example, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of failure to thrive. Families help us feed. Uh, families help us. They know the resident more than we do. All even though we we've known them for years, we don't know their past. We don't know, um, you know, especially if they're demented. There are certain things that work for them that they just want the families to do. And so the families are not coming in. Some stop eating. So there's failure to thrive. It's really detrimental, right? And so as a nurse, seeing that, it's really agitating because our job is to also advocate for our residents when their rights are not being respected. So how many patients, or I'd like to say residents, how many residents did you you know, as a nurse, did you take care of? Or, you know, are we talking like 20, 15, 30? I mean, what is the ratio? Yeah. So I worked on a unit. We all worked on a unit. I'm the nurse. I gave medications at the wound, at the phone calls, talked to the doctor and all that. And so there's four 
PSWs, uh, personal support workers, on the floor. So each personal worker has eight residents, but as the nurse, I'm in charge of the 32. Okay, so four people have eight each, and then yes. you, as over that, you have the 32. Yes. Okay. So they gotcha. give care, and I give medications and wound care, you know, any other thing that they need, treatments. I deal with the families, the doctor, uh, you know, medications if something's wrong, um, stuff like that. So the PSW does not give medication? No. Okay, so just no. just the nurses? Yes. And you were the only nurse? Well, I, for, when I was for on, those 32. Yes. Yeah, each unit has a nurse. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the medications, you said that, you know, when the resident is there and their loved one could not come see them, that they get very agitated because a lot of times they don't understand. They don't want to hear that my loved one's, you know, not going to be here, my daughter's not coming. So did you, were you instructed to give them, like, you know, Ativan or Haldol or Seroquel or some drug, were you told to give that to them to calm them down? Well, each resident is different. So some residents have PRN, so give as necessary types of medication. So if they were agitated, we would give them. This happens even in normal, uh, without, like before COVID, right? Um, if right. someone is agitated and we can't control them, we have to call the doctor, and the doctor decides. Uh, we'll probably call the family, and they'll decide uh, what to do. But the problem is that if the family's not there, and doctors can be intimidating too, um, mm-hmm. you know, the facility is like, well, we can't keep her here. Like, you know what I mean? So there's that kind of um, intimidation going on. So although the doctor – like, each case is different, right? Um, but but – But I I guess what I'm asking is, you know, yes, each case is different, but they do, uh, I get the point that I'm making is that they are given medication to calm them down, uh, you know, like Ativan or something, whereas if their family member was there, then they maybe could calm them down by singing to them or reading yes. a Bible or, you know, playing music Absolutely. or showing them pictures. There are other ways to calm someone down rather than to give them a drug. Absolutely. And it's detrimental. To, it's very toxic, and their bodies are already older and shutting down. So, yeah, it's very detrimental. And like you said, it's, right. it's like, like hospices. It kind of, like, moves them faster towards um, the end. Right. That's that's what I was trying to you know the point that I'm trying to make is that yeah in normal sta- normal situation you have an issue if someone gets agitated but because they were locked down and could not get have their family members in they're going to be agitated more and so Absolutely. when you've got that many that you're taking care of then you know the doctor may very well just say well you know give them Ativan give them you know Haldol and Absolutely. that is detrimental right. Yes, and it and it kind of knocks them out, right? And then that's another thing that might might knock them out. They might be someone that walk, whoop, they can't walk anymore. Same detrimental effect too. It goes right. from like to chair to bed to bed sores, right? It deteriorates very fast, especially if they have dementia and they don't know they have to move or or they can't move because they had a stroke or yeah, right? Yeah. So when the lockdown happened 
they there are they they weren't allowed to go into you know like the cafeteria because they were trying to keep everybody separate. In my nursing so, home, they could still go. In my nursing home, they could still go to the dining room, but some some were closed right away. But also, the way that worked is that every uh, two weeks, right? So they tested all the staff every two weeks with these inaccurate non-diagnosis tests that are not made to diagnose and that are 97% inaccurate if they're at 35, the threshold 35 or more. Um, And so if someone is positive, um, then they shut down the unit. So what happened during the second lockdown for me um, is, so I had no, there was no COVID patients during the first lockdown. Uh, but when the second lockdowns happened, we had three um, housekeeping staff, uh, they, get, they got positive results. And so um, the whole nursing home was shut down. So when a floor, our nursing home is shut down, that's when they have to completely stay in their room. So you have to think, they see, we're, we're, and we're wearing the whole PPE, so mask, shield gloves, gown, they don't even recognize us, right? So Oh my God. It's, yeah. It's really hard for them. But I know nursing homes that even from the beginning so some nursing homes there's always someone testing positive since the beginning. So uh, I know a resident that that, that we're actually because I have a we're doing an initiative called Stand for Seniors. We have a resident in there and he said he hadn't had a shower for seventy days. And I'm like Seventy? Yes. And so Whoa. I'm like yeah. So showering is really important for your mental and your physical health. Why is that? So, so because they think that if they bring them to the showers, they can get contaminated through the air or so just because of COVID, it's just the part of the measure. There's, if the, the place is on lockdown, then they don't get their showers. I think every nursing, like it's weird too, because some nursing homes were different. Like I said, my nursing home, they still went to the dining room, and when the, but when the outbreak started, then they couldn't. Then you can see they were even more agitated. Um, and actually, I was so agitated, that's when I started speaking out. And mm-hmm. um, I, I started by, and actually, as you said, like, I've healed myself from fibromyalgia, and I became sober, but I switched my addictions for going to the gym and doing group therapy, and both of those things were stopped for me. Um, and so... I couldn't imagine, like, I was in such a good place, but I was working with people that weren't, and I saw them um, go down, too. So, anyways, I couldn't be quiet anymore. I didn't care if I lost my job. So I went online at first, and I shared in a group because I I found a group that thought like me, and I was like, oh, my God, thank God. And and they loved what I was saying. I was saying, oh, you know, as a nurse, they loved hearing from me. But I guess someone in the group, uh, was a troll, took a picture, and went to my profile, found my employer, and called them, and I was put under investigation right away. I wasn't even told why. I didn't get any fact-checking. They didn't ask me anything. I didn't get a fair nothing, not even a fair trial. Oh. Um, yeah, and so, but I was already gun ho on speaking out, and the weekend, that same weekend where I was, had started being investigated is when I spoke out for the first time in Toronto at the – um, I call them freedom celebrations. So uh, spoke there, yes, um, spoke there and also initiated Nurses Against Lockdown. So I now wanted to start um, 
gathering nurses together. And so um, that really blew up. People loved it. Um, I didn't get as much nurses as I thought, but people loved it. My Facebook page went right up to like 40,000. Our Instagram went to 20,000. Like it went really fast, although we're all censored now. Um, But that did really well. So it kind of uh, made me want to continue. And so I I kept speaking out. But uh, um, in the meantime, uh, yeah, so I was fired from my job three days after I spoke out there. And then we joined up with, um, I joined up with another nurse here, Kristen Nagel. She's the co-founder of Canadian Frontline Nurses with me. But before we did that, we joined with the nurses in the United States. So there was a few nurses that had come out, um, Erin. She actually went undercover and had um, in New York and had um, proof that they were putting non-COVID patients with COVID and that they were, um, what they were doing was like literally like putting people in danger and not doing CPR. So literally letting people die, put them on ventilator when they don't need it. And, you know, if you're on a ventilator, they sedate you and they weren't even feeding these people. They ordered all these vents, but never ordered G-feeds. So I don't even know what to say about that. That's New York. Well, it's murder. I mean, it's you you can't do that. A lot of murder. A lot of murder. And like you said, they sent back COVID residents to nursing homes that were trying to protect from COVID. Like, what? I just... Well, even the prisoners, I mean, there were prisoners in the U.S. that they took out of the prisons because they yes. said they did not want them to be in, yes. you know, large quantities of people and be passing COVID. But you send COVID-positive patients to nursing homes where the most vulnerable people are who have committed no crime but getting old, and that's yes. the crime, and you let prisoners go, but they killed you know, it's manslaughter. You put them in there yes. knowing that that they were at, that this was a risky thing, but you took prisoners out. How? What sense does this make? Absolutely, it's just so obvious that they see seniors as useless eaters, and they don't care. They don't, unfortunately. Yeah. So to continue my story, I guess. So we met up with the with the nurse, these nurses in uh, four nurses in the United States. And we formed Global Frontline Nurses, and we spoke, we went to Washington not knowing that, like, we're Canadians. We didn't know it was political. And um, the, even the Americans, we went, so we spoke in Washington, D.C. at a um, health and freedom rally, but it was a corner away, and it was on January 6th, which is a, a political day, I think. Uh, Donald Trump was oh, speaking at no, the Oh, no, you were there? Okay. We were there, and we had no idea <laughs> that what we were um, you know, we were there because we thought, oh, we were invited by Del Bigtree. He's kind of known uh, uh, in the – he's an anti-vaxxer, I guess. I don't think he's an anti – I think it's against, like, once you know what's in these vaccines, um, you know, because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I got all my vaccines. My kids got all of their vaccines. I took the flu shot until I got fibromyalgia and realized, oh, toxicity is a problem, and then I stopped, and I – you know, I started looking more into it and found out things that I didn't really like. Because what people don't know is that nurses and doctors are not trained in vaccinations. It's literally half a day training on the schedule, like pushing the schedule and how to give the the the, the, the vaccine, right? 
So they don't want right. us to be educated. They just want us to, like, push it. And I know doctors get incentives and stuff like that. So um, I forgot where I was going with that. But uh, Well, you were saying you met in D.C. Oh, yeah. And it happened oh, to be yeah. on the so, 6th of January. Yeah, exactly. And so, oh, boy. So what happened when we came back, we had no idea. We were, we were defamed nationally in Canada and in the States. We were uh, labeled domestic terrorists. Um, I had the RCMP come to my door, which is the FBI in the States, I guess. And um, we were really defamed everywhere, like all day long on on the media. And then there was a surge of um, really intimidating people that were looking for my address. Um, You know, there was death threats. Um, There was a lot of threats, and it was really scary. But... um, but, Just because you happened to be there in D.C. Yeah, they said we were at the riots, yeah. and then they put they wow. put this video of like people, you know, going into the into the, into the Capitol, um, you know, as if we were in the Capitol. I don't know, but um, yeah. So they they did that. They called us conspiracy theorists, dangers to the po- to the population, and all that. So that was, and then I was fired from my second job because. When you work in a nursing home now, I don't know now, but in the first and second lockdowns, you couldn't work at your other job. You had to, like, choose. Um, and I worked two jobs. I'm a single mom, so I worked two jobs. And um, so when I got fired from my first job, I went back to my other job, which is a community um, through an agency. So I worked with kids there, mostly, or young adults. And so I went back to that. But when I came back from D.C., um, you know, they got so many threats. Uh, the the College of Nurses has our our job and employers on their website, and anyone can go check. And so uh, they got a lot of threats, so they fired me right away. And I was uh, put under – my license is now under investigation. Um, That's terrible. Yeah. For doing my job, like, we were taught ethically. We learned ethics. The code of ethics for nursing is the thing that we learn in school and how we must advocate uh, for the public when the industry turns and doesn't. So we're literally doing our jobs here. Um, and well, you're punished. one of the few. You're, you're one of few people that are actually yes. upholding the HIPAA law and yes. caring about patients and doing the right thing. And so by doing, you know, it's like that saying, there, no good deed goes unpunished. Yes, exactly. And we have a lot of nurses behind us, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, in Canada. Um, we only have seven. We have seven speaking out now. I'm not going to say only because uh, uh, about three or four just came out, and we're really happy because it was just uh, us two for a while. Um, but we have a lot of support, but people are so scared because the College of Nurses in December put out a, a public gag order where nurses are not allowed to speak against against but they can speak for kind of weird um against vaccines masks or any of the mandates and measures so people are really scared they 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 know they look at us we're examples and they they're like i can't i can't lose my career i can't you know so it's it's really difficult in that way but uh, we're growing and more and more employer now that the vaccine is coming and they're manda- they're kind of forcing it onto people and letting people go that don't want it or are tired don't want the testing uh, which is all illegal we have the right to refuse 
um, right. they're being put on unpaid leave of absence or being fired, wrongfully fired. Like it's 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 as if they don't care about the law anymore. Well, I know that Canada is, you know, because you guys have, I say you guys, and I don't mean you, but, you know, euthanasia is legal there, whereas in the United States, assisted suicide is, but euthanasia is not. But So y'all have gone over the cliff a little bit farther than we have. So do you not have, we have Life Legal Defense Foundation who will advocate for people in the United States if they are put into a position where someone mandates that they have a shot. They have access to attorneys. Do you not have anything like that in Canada? I'm assuming. Um, I'm, not sure if, I'm, I'm not sure if we do, but I can tell you that attorneys do not want to represent us. So there's only a few attorneys right now um, working with us. Same like because nurses. everybody it's the wants the same thing. They want to keep they don't their want distance. To they want to keep yes. their distance. Well, and we found the same thing in the United States when we've gone. You know, hundreds of us have tried to get an attorney for wrongful death of our loved ones through hospice right. euthanasia, and yes. they won't touch it. And it's because hospice has a big company insurance company and they don't settle out of court in most cases although i am working with somebody on one now that that may go a different way but they don't want to settle out of court and so an attorney will not take the case because they don't believe they can win it it would cost them more money than they would ever get back because there's a limit on how much you can get for wrongful death those of us who have lost loved ones could care less how much money Anybody gets off of it. It's not that to us exactly. it is justice. It's yes. it's justice. It's not the money. Yes. It's the same thing for us. We have an action. We we um so when we can't maybe I should continue. Um so when we came back we actually after all that happened and all the threats, we got a whole bunch of support that came like a wave of support. It was phenomenal. And uh, so much love. And now we like when we go to protests and we're on the news, even if they bash us, because we know that more and more people are coming to us. It's advertisement. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Yes, it is great. Uh, but, but like, so when we came back, Global Frontline Nurses, uh, uh, we were supposed to, our plan was, we were six founders, and our plan was each, every country would start their own chapter. And so, uh, me and Kristen Nagel, uh, another nurse um, that worked in the NICU, um, she got fired too. She was also a holistic nurse, and they took, they gave her a cease and desist, and she's not even allowed to say that she went to holistic school, which is quite ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. We got to, we got together and started the Canadian chapter. Um, unfortunately, uh, the global part didn't stick, but now we have an American United States. Uh, uh, no, United States frontline nurses also, and so what? So what we're doing is like like you said in our thing, we want to gather as much nurses as possible. We're educating the public, and we want to bring the ethics back into healthcare. Um, but not only that, we want to build a new—I don't want to say system. I'm going to call it a new framework. So we are no longer fighting against this system. This. I call it death care. I'm really scared of it, uh, especially at this point. I'm like, I wouldn't want to have to go in there. Uh, and no. we're building a new framework. And so 
a new framework. And we've, I've actually initiated, we've initiated um, our new mental health initiative because there's so much, um, so much devastation in that right now. And since I already had lighting up dark corners, uh, we def- and it's part, it's, it makes sense in our new framework because it's teaching people to deal with their mental health issues without medication. Um, and by going back to the root and uh, of the cause and, you know, self-care and acceptance and self-forgiveness and all that good stuff. Um, exactly. And that really heals. Yes. And so, and realizing that a lot of these medications that they, these Band-Aid medications that they put on these, on people with mental health issues are, are, are lethal. Literally. <laughs> Most of the overdoses are uh, from here are, are from fentanyl and, and stuff like that. And so, uh, that's the medical industry, right? Well, yeah, so it's big we, pharma, and yeah. what they give you causes something else. You know, it may calm you down, but it's like um, I think it. You're getting sicker. I, well, you are, and I think I'm not sure if you were on the call when um, Ann Tracy was talking about the medication that is being used for the young children today, and when then she talked about Columbine and you know going out and killing people and every one of those cases the children you know the teenagers or you know young adults have been given all these medication you know like for adhd and absolutely things like that it is toxic and it is affecting people and they do not understand this or do not accept it they think you're a conspiracy theorist Uh, we're calling them conspiracy analysts now (laughs) That's right. I really like because that. Because that's what you and, are. Right. Thank you. And what's really ironic about that is that they're giving medications for kids for uh, autism, ADHD. And if you look into the research deeply enough, um, these um, these are vaccine injuries most of the time. So these people are getting injured by the medic- a medication, and then they're, they become lifelong patients too, Right of the pharma, mm-hmm. of the medical industry. So it's really a vicious circle. When you really start digging into it, it's really scary. I like, I can't believe some of the stuff I say sometimes, but I'm like, this is what it's come to. And now literally they're taking away here in Canada this weekend. They had pop-up clinics to vaccinate kids 12, um, kids from kids 12 to 18 can go on themselves. They no longer need parental consent. They can show up on their own and get their vaccines. And this twelve is a years big old. Thing. Yes, they do not need their parents. And if so, so people have to start waking up because this is the state taking over our kids, and it becomes a problem because if the kid wants the vaccination and the parent doesn't want them to get them, the state gets involved and they can take your kid away from you. Like, this is where we're kind of going, right? So it's really, really scary, really scary stuff. Um, Here in Canada, it's not looking good at all. Well, and the thing is that the children are hearing, you know, from their teachers at school, from other kids, from the propaganda that's on main media, and every bit, you know, you drive past, you know, 
you can't go several blocks till you see, you know, COVID test given here free, COVID vaccination. I mean, they're popping yeah. up all over the place. So the kids are being indoctrinated with, oh, yes. you got to get the shot. You know, do your part. Get the shot. Get the shot. Yes. Get the shot. And they they don't even know nobody they don't even know what's in it and now we're finding out what is in it and there mm-hmm. is a lot of question about whether or not the children who are getting the shot if there it's going to affect their fertileness Absolutely. you know are we going to be in a situation where these children this generation that comes up now can't have children exactly they don't know yeah they don't know or maybe the and people it, that made it do know it, well, well, I was going to say that, or maybe it's a plan, like, you know, when Bill Gates went into India, and he's considered yeah. a war criminal now, because, you know, there were so many um, women and children who died from the vaccine, yes. and who are infertile, and they found out later. So, yes. you know, we're trying to do a depopulation, and I know people think that's conspiracy, that is reality. They're trying to depopulate, and this is just one of the ways to do it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, it, just, it amazes me at how quickly people will stand up and say, give me the shot, give me the shot, I, I want this. This is not a vaccine. No. It is an MNRA. Yes, it's a bioweapon. Can I, we add, like to call can, it I, a bioweapon. can I add something here, Marcia? Yes, absolutely, um, Marty. The AstraZeneca admitted that what it actually is, they called it a vaccine, all of them call it a vaccine. It isn't actually by definition a vaccine. It is the injection of an onboard operating system. The messenger RNA will spread through your body like a virus, and supposedly this is going to make you interoperable with artificial intelligence like your computer, your phone, them um and yet people uh, i guess that's one of the reasons uh <laughs> less than 40 well around 40 percent of the u.s has gotten vaccinated the other 60 percent are saying hell no and and then they want these vaccines this is all a surveillance system and did you see the test they did where they injected people uh, people who got injected with the vaccine they took a little refrigerator magnet and stuck right to their arm. They put it over on the arm where they didn't get vaccinated, fell off to know what that's about. And But mm-hmm. you're, they've admitted it isn't a vaccine. They called it one to get the uh, 100% immunity from accountability and prosecution. The FDA fully aware, of course. And But this is, you're right, this is depopulation. My fear is that since this didn't work quite like that, which SARS and MERS were also lab-engineered, just like this thing is, Mm -hmm. and it didn't take off like it was going to. You know, the DOD um, put out here about three months ago, I did an article on it. They last year forced everybody in-house to get the flu vaccine. We don't vaccinate here for any reason. And... Fifty-two percent of their employees fell down seriously ill. So they questioned the manufacturer what, what could have happened, what could have caused this, and got no answer. So they investigated themselves and found four strains of this lab-engineered SARS virus, basically a cold virus, loaded into that flu vaccine. The fourth one being a included a um, bacteria 
that causes this terrible pneumonia that people get. And when I printed the article, people came out of the woodwork and said, oh, you misunderstood. No, I didn't. It was in plain English. Oh, you took it out of context. No, I didn't. I printed the whole thing. Uh, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm a conspiracy realist, um, but mm-hmm. a consp- conspiracy analyst. And um, But this, we are being set up. Uh, what the actual end game is, I don't know. I think the population is at the top of the list. Sterilization being second to that, and then a culling of the elderly and the chronically ill. Um, We've got 22 countries that have suspended use of the vaccines because of the death rate. Israel, um, I guess the the death count is just extraordinary over there. They're still mandated to get it. Um, But many countries have suspended use, especially on people 60 or over. And here in the U.S. and up in Canada, uh, let's get it to them first. They need it. Uh, wait a minute. Something's, yeah. <laughs> something's wrong here. You know, something is wrong here. And then I want to say one last thing, and I'll promise I won't butt in again. But just like when <laughs> they put those people in the nursing home that were supposedly infected with a virus they've never isolated or identified, exactly. and then hospice showed up, I don't believe for one minute they died of any cold. I think what they died from, hospice showed up, and the byline on it was um, because they're used to dealing with death. And when I saw that, I would come in underneath it. I said, no, you mean they're used to causing death. And what happened? They walk in. Within a week, virtually everybody in the nursing home's dead, and they leave. Uh, Get a clue here, people. These are the Grim Reaper coming in the door. That's who this is. And I also question, I promise I'll shut up, Marcia. If the elderly are given in those situations, in, in nursing homes, hospital, if they are actually given the same thing the rest of the population is given, I have serious questions about that. And just as an end note, Bill Gates said he and his children can't take the vaccine because they're allergic. And I have news for Billy. I suffer from the same allergy Cat Williams, the comedian, does. I'm allergic to stupid shit. And I can't take the vaccines either. And with that, I'll bow out, Marcia, and please excuse me, and I'm sorry. No, no, absolutely not. That's good questions. Um, I heard yesterday, or two or three days ago on, um, I believe it was Tucker Carlson's show, and he was talking about that you can refuse to take it because of religious reasons, Um Let's see, the one was religious, medical, and... Creed? Was that what it was? Creed? Yes, because there was three different things that they said that you could refuse to take the shot. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's my belief. I I don't believe in, in putting harmful things, toxic things in my body. But people are, yeah. it's just like, you know, with the um, the 12 to 18-year-olds, which, Sarah, I had not heard that, and they just line up and go in there and do it because they aren't being educated, they are not listening, and people are thinking this is just like a flu vaccine, and I always get them, so I don't, but a lot of people do, but I always get them, and so that I'm going to, you know, just go up there and get this one. This is like, this is not like a flu. This is experimental, and yeah. you... Because you're taking it, they have a disclaimer on there. They're not responsible if something happens to you. And there is a VAERS, V-A-R-E-R-S, system 
that has all of the deaths listed, and it's like, you know, two days, three days after taking the second shot, you know, found person in, you know, in their home dead, and, you know, blood clots and heart attacks, all kind, and these are people that are normally healthy. So what in the world would it do to someone who has congestive heart failure or a COPD? People say, well, I'm taking it because I have a comorbidity. That is more of a reason, in my humble opinion, not to take it. Exactly. It's, I said in one of my okay. speeches, I said in one of my speeches, like, we shut down the end. Oh, hello? Yeah, let her finish yeah, that and then bring the question in, okay? Go, go ahead, yeah. Sarah. Oh, I was just going to say in one of my speeches, I, I, I mentioned this because it makes no sense. I'm like, we shut down the entire world to protect these vulnerable people, and now we are going to inject them with something experimental that might kill them to protect them. Because there was on CNN this lady that came on, this doctor, she was the the head of some immunization association, and she she warned us not to worry if one or multiple um, seniors die after getting the vaccination. And I was like, yeah. wow, what what is happening? Like, why yeah. aren't people realizing that everything is falling apart to protect these people, and now we're going to inject them that something that might kill them to protect them? Like, because how they don't insane. care. Yeah. Right. We have a, um, she's breaking in because we have a, a caller with a question. Okay. Yes. Area code 705, you're live and on the air. Yeah, hi, Sarah. How you doing? It's Alessandro. <laughs> I recognize you. And Marsha. Hi, Marsha. Yeah, um, hi, yes, Sarah, Alessandra. Yeah, just really good to hear your, your, your story again. Um, Thank and, you. And uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit um, about the, um, uh, lawsuit um, with Michael Swinwood. Is there anything well, you can update us on there? Do you mean for so for Stanford seniors? For yeah, the frontline nurses or Stanford seniors, yeah. Okay, so we have two. We have we have a action coming up for the college of nurses because we're obviously fighting okay. back against what they're doing to us. Yes. Um, we're still collecting information from nurses to know exactly what we need in that class action, uh, but it should be put out very soon. Um, obviously, we're also, uh, you know, we're under investigation, so we just have to respond, and we're definitely going to get them on that and going after our employers um, in time, in due time. But we also have, um, I didn't speak about it yet, but we one of our initiatives also, I spoke about our mental health initiative, but we've um, partnered with Stanford D, um, and we've created Stanford Seniors. So what that is is that we're now we're trying to get uh, the nursing homes to drop all the measures because they're totally against the rights of the residents that are hung at every entrance of every nursing home, um, but also... This is a type of injunction. It's called something else. I always forget, but it's a type of injunction. We can do an injunction because our courts are closed here. Only the superior it's court is a, open. So we, yeah, it's called it's called a mandamus. Yes, it Mandam- has a writ, a writ, a writ of a writ, mandamus. Writ. Yes, exactly. A writ of mandamus. So we're, yeah. Yes, so we're doing that uh, because we have one um, family member, Harold, uh, sweetheart. He hasn't seen his wife for a year and a half. 
Um, he will not do the testing. He has a mask exemption, and he has been fighting to see his dear wife for the whole time, hasn't had a chance to even see her through a window, um, and has been writing to the mayor, the nursing home, and the police, and has been blocked by all of them. Um, so we decided that we were going to organize something to help him. And so we did um, a celebration of freedom at his nursing home. And it was really sad because all the nurses closed all the curtains and the blinds so that the residents couldn't see us. And there was some that were trying to put it up and were being forced. You can see the nurse was putting it down. Uh, that was really sad. But anyways, we're, we're now doing this injunction. Um, and because power, he's a power of attorney. And power of attorneys wow. always have... That's, they get to decide what happens to their yep. family. Yep. So we're yep. going through it through that way where, you know, so he's going to, he's our, he's going to be like a template, uh, not him, but I mean. Yeah, the he's, the, he's going to be the guy that is the front uh, yes. plaintiff probably on that lawsuit, then, eh? Yes, he will. And so Good. we're going to do it for, for that city. But once that goes through, uh, we're thinking that, Every other city will drop them too, because if it if we can go to court and win with this, then obviously the other ones will drop because they can be brought to court too. Mm-hmm. So that's but you what we're said doing the right nurses. Now. And we, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was um, going to ask you the nurses. How many nurses have been fired? Well, you know what? It stood up. Well, it was just. It was just two for the longest time, but now we have we have seven. But just today, just today, so we're having more and more people reaching out to us now because they don't know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. Just today, three new nurses. And do you know why they're getting fired? Because one, I'll give you an example of one. Um, she, someone came to get the vaccine at the clinic where she worked and asked her questions about the vaccine. And the nurse responded um, you know, honestly and told her, well, you're of childbearing age and we don't really know. You're not really at risk and, you know, this might be dangerous for you. So um, this young lady went home and said, no, I'm not getting the vaccine. And I think it was her aunt or her mom or someone uh, called the clinic enraged and spoke to the doctor who is pro this vaccine or pro bioweapon. Yeah. Sorry, we should not call it a vaccine. Um, no. And so he fired her on the spot this morning. At 11:30, and we have yeah. three of those in the last two days. So a wow. lot of people are getting let go because just because they're giving informed consent, which we legally have to give, withholding information is illegal. Like, mm-hmm. well, it it is, and it's unethical if someone yes. is asking you. You know, well, can this harm me? Because there is, you know, that little disclaimer that says you are taking this shot. Nobody's forcing you to take it. You're taking this shot, and you are taking it with the knowledge that in the event something were to happen to you, we are not responsible. How can anybody be forced to take something that you don't even know what you're putting in their body, and something could happen to them, but you're not liable for it? What? And, but people aren't seeing that fine print, and they're not showing it to you. And and the exactly. lady had every right to give the information when she was asked that question. 
And there were, I heard there were 5,000 pregnant women who have said that they will be a guinea pig for them to give them the shot. Would you would risk your child's life on yes. something that is an experiment? I think people are so indoctrinated in thinking that vaccines are vital to our well-being. Like, this is the indoctrination. We, we, our society believes that putting toxic, toxic chemicals in your body is what will help you instead of your God-given immune system, which is made so amazingly. Right. Well, they, I saw one um, YouTube on it that, that states in a very good way that we all have nonspecific antibodies in our body naturally, and they fight against a flu, um, you know, a virus, a cold virus, a stomach virus, whatever it is, that they go and they attack that. What happens when they give you this COVID shot, it is only meant to attack the COVID-19 that's out there. So, if you know, they did it like a football field. So if anybody comes over and it's the COVID-19 and it tries to come through, then the antibodies that they injected you with will fight that COVID, supposedly, fight it off. But if something else comes through, a cold, a flu, a, a bug, you know, any other virus tries to come through your body, your nonspecific antibodies will try to attack that to get rid of it, which is what they're supposed to do. And the COVID shot that you got, the antibodies in that will now attack your nonspecific antibodies because they become the enemy. They do not recognize that that's not COVID-19, so they attack your nonspecific antibodies. So ultimately they kill everything off, and the only thing you can fight against is one specific virus. So therefore, come fall, there's going to be another strain of a virus and you're going to need to get a booster shot. And then you're going to need to get another booster shot. And you're going to continue until you have all of this toxin in your system and you're a walking Petri dish. And I have heard that those who are getting the shot are more dangerous to those of us who are not because it's, you've got all of this toxin in you and our systems are not going to be, it's not us giving you a virus, it's going to be just the opposite. You're going to be danger to those of us who didn't. And that is by no means any indication or reason that any of us who do not want to get the vaccine should run out and get it, by no means. There's too many unknowns about this. So many, but you know what is known? Um, they've been looking for this corona uh, bioweapon. I'm going to say, you know, they want it to be a vaccine. They've been look, trying to get it since the first SARS, right? So 2003. And every single time that they get to the animal trials, all the animals are okay at first. But once the flu season or the corona season comes, um, all the animals get really, really sick and die. And right. so they skip, they skip the animal trials. Um, well, the humans are the guinea pigs. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, there's what you said is I've heard that this Dell Big Tree said all, all what you said, but there's also the fact that this spike protein is downloading the recipe into your cell, right? And so your antibodies. And so when you do catch it, because the corona is a cold, so any cold that you're going to catch now, your body's going to turn against itself because the protein the the spike protein has downloaded 
the message inside yourself that this is the enemy. So your body right. turns against itself too. So there's many ways that this just messes the whole immune system so bad. Exactly. And the blood clots. The people have had all these blood clots. Yes. A and lot. Perfectly and healthy I My messages are full. My messages are like, who do people write to when they have problems now? Us. And right. so we're getting all these things. Like my my like my mom got the shot and died the next day. My like there's so many. There's so many. And it, we're not hearing that people are dying in nursing homes. But everyone that talks to me that was in a nursing home is like, like we have 11 residents that died within three weeks of the shot. And they were like, you know, you can tell they just deteriorated after. Um, so it's like we're not hearing any of that. And my inbox is full of death. And you're, you were talking about theirs um, where people – um, go and, and, and state that they've had the injury, it's been, fa- it's been known that only 1% to 10% of the injuries are reported on there. So whatever you see on there, it's a lot higher than that. Exactly. Well, it's just like the number of people that died from COVID. No, they might have yeah. had COVID or it might have been with the PCR test that was, oh, yeah. like you say, it, it had false positives, and then they say, you know, they had a motorcycle wreck. Well, they died from COVID because they tested them, and they determined that they had COVID, which was probably a negative test. Of, exactly. Of false. And anyway, and, but they didn't die from that. They died because they were in a motorcycle wreck, but they say they had COVID, and so now we're going to count that as another COVID death. It, this exactly. has been a plan. They are trying to back people into a corner. They are terrorizing people to get them to do what they want them to do. And that shot may be free now, but um, there's some people making a whole lot of money off of this. Yes. Patents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And no one is covering the insurance money for the people that are injured from it. So those people... It's devastating, like all these neurological problems. And doctors are just sending them away, sending them away. You know, like even like one of my friends was at the hospital and someone came with an anaphylactic reaction uh, that was pretty bad, like an hour after the vaccine. And she was like in the ER, like she was like like one of the neighbors. She could hear them talk. And, 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 you know, anaphylactic reaction, that's pretty dangerous. Like you could have died, you know. And then um, the doctor was, like, they were joking. Oh, you got the shot. Oh, that's, like, it's normal. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, I had a sore arm for, like, a month, you know, he was saying. So they're kind of like, oh, yes. So it's not a problem. It's just normal that, like, you know. And then even if it's a day later, they're not reporting it to the, that it's vaccine, the, the vaccine. It's just coincidence. You know, and you're talking about, like, I know people personally that had the magnet. You can put a magnet on their arm. There's a lady I saw today. She had a, she, she puts a fork, a fork holds on her arm. And she's like, I'm just, she's in the hospital, obviously. And she's like, I just put it here because I want the doctors to see it when they come in. Because they keep on saying that they don't know. It's like, it's literally where she got the shot that it's doing it. And they're like, no, oh, we don't know. That's weird. Oh, like, there's no... I'm like, it's crazy. Like she's got a fork on her arm. Yes, you can put a fork and hold 
like a ma- like a magnet, like the magnet, mm-hmm. like you know how you were saying like magnets are staying on people's arms. She literally put a fork and it stayed on her arm. Wow. And I'm like, forks are pretty. They heavy. claim. They claim that and there's people that had showed some video of it. This um, microchip that they've been wanting to put in everyone. This started after Katrina, and they killed all those pets, and they said, well, if people would have had them chipped, we could have turned them back to the rightful owner. And then it came out later was, if you do this for your pet, why won't you do this for your children? Exactly. Because we don't want them trapped. And yeah, they wanted to do this. And this microchip can hold 26,000 pages of information on you, all your financials, all your medical of every exactly. place you've ever lived, any information that's out there on you. And it's up to the discretion of Homeland Security to decide what will be on the chip. Now, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, um, but they have been in real ID. Uh, it was the forerunner. Nobody was buying that either. Uh, only 40% of people who could get real ID have, so they had to push the um, finalization date back to May 3rd of 2023 and conveniently then we come out with this COVID mess and they're they're gunning for us. Uh, You know, when I had the Australians on, Chris kept saying, she said, they're hunting us, Marty. They're hunting us, and they are. They are hunting us, and they're going to kill as many of them, and this is the new war. They're going to kill without firing a shot, at least out of a gun. There's, it'll be a clean sweep. And now we've got, um, what, 21 states here in the U.S. that are now liquefying human remains, using it as biosludge on agricultural fields. I saw they that are feeding yesterday. us back to us. Yes. I did not hear yep. that. Yes, I saw that uh, Washington yesterday. State. Yeah, Washington State was the first one, and then we had more than 20 other states follow suit and immediately pass the same thing. We've got, uh, what is it, Uh, I want to say Connecticut and Wyoming and now Washington State, which have said it's okay to euthanize, um, starve and dehydrate people with dementia or mental illness. We shouldn't have to take care of them. So they're bringing this in incrementally and you talked about the doctor saying don't be alarmed before they started all of this with the vaccine that doctor was on cnn and said you know he said people don't need to get alarmed if elderly people start dying behind this this vaccine and um you know it's just and then we had another doctor come out and say well nobody should really want to live 75 what's the point you know you should you should be more than willing to make your exit at that age. And I thought, well, you first, asshole. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. And, um, but, yeah, but this is a culling, and they're going to take out as many as they can. But now they're priming China as saying China in retaliation for us blaming them for COVID, which it was the Wuhan lab, Anthony Fauci, and Harvard University that colluded and created this thing. The funding came from here in the U.S. via Fauci. And now China is saying in retaliation, they have a new, more terrible virus that they're going to set loose. They're going to use it on China first 
to get rid of as many people as they can, and then they're bringing it here. So said this? this is the new, yes, this oh is the God. new World War Three, and we're not going to fire a shot, like I say. It's it's going to be these bioweapons. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I promise wow. not to interfere again, and there I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> You had something important to say. But, you know, with talking about this real ID, they're also pushing for if you don't get the COVID shot, when is it going to be that you can't go back to your job or that you can't fly or you can't go to the grocery store? So, I mean, if people do not get the shot, I believe they are going to continue pushing this because they want to have everybody have the shot. And... To me, that completely goes against your rights not to have things injected into your body that you don't want injected in. Exactly. Florida passed a law just this last week prohibiting the issuance of vaccine passports. They cannot do it in Florida. And then DeSantis, and I don't have any love loss for him, the governor down there opened the state back up. He said, we're done with this COVID thing. And they also are moving to stop the use of the PCR test, which, as your guest brought out, gives a 95 to 97% false positive. So they have terrified people. I consider this government-sponsored terrorism. They have terrified people, testing them with a non-productive test and then telling them they are infected with something they themselves helped finance the creation of. Now, something's wrong with this picture. But that's his well, thing. and that test, the test, why can't, why do you have to shove a Q-tip up to your brain, you know, to the membrane yeah. in your brain? Why can't you swab the inside of the cheek? If if you can pass that to somebody by sneezing, then it's got to be in your mouth. And it's, you know, they say it can be passed airborne. Why can't they swab your mouth instead of sticking the, you know, Q-tip all the way up to your brain? Exactly. And that test does a lot of injuries. I've known a few people myself that had uh, brain injuries from it, were in the hospital several uh, days or a week, and still have problems up to now because they had brain hemorrhage. Just from the test? Yeah. Yes. They're dangerous. Like, we've always learned as nurses, you do not do tests if they're not necessary. They have to be necessary. How many times have you gone to the doctor and you want a test, but they're like, no, you can't, you know, oh, no, you know, this is how we do it. This is a protocol. You don't need this test. You know, it has its own right. risk. All tests have risk. Exactly. And this exactly. is Well, you don't even up. have people performing that test, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not even doctors. I mean, they have, you know, they call the National Guardian. They've called all these people in, you know, that are doing the test and are given the shot. They are not even certified to give shots and to give the test, right? Yeah. I mean, you stick right. a Q-tip in your ear and you can damage your eardrum. You you yeah. know, somebody's sticking a Q-tip all the way up in your nose to where your membrane is to your brain is insane. Insane. Yep. It is. And and people it, line up. Yeah. Oh, me, me first, you know, well, take my turn. And, yeah. uh, huh. I just I don't understand why people don't sit back and wait, find out what they're really talking about doing. I mean, you know, just for a fad diet, you know, somebody hears a fad diet and, you know, drink 
I don't know, let's say drink peroxide and it'll help you lose weight. And I'm not saying that it does. I'm just using that as a stupid thing. But if you say that to somebody, would you just automatically go and do that without doing any research? And I would like to think, of course not, but that's not what people are doing. You, You have to verify. You have to check. You have to be smart about it and research everything. I don't I think, understand. Uh, I, I was going to say, if I'm still on, I think the the threat that they're going to remove your ability to socialize, to fly, to travel, to go to restaurants, to uh, go hang out with your friends, that's very powerful, that removal of that social structure. So people are willing to give up their freedoms in order for them to have the right to go to a restaurant, eat on the patio. It's a bit like ancient Rome. I mean, that's exactly, people wanted entertainment, they wanted circus, they wanted food, um, and that was what people wanted in exchange for their loyalty, right, to the to Caesar at the time. So it's really a repeat of history um, I don't think it's that people are, I don't want to say they're not smart, right? Because a lot of smart people get the vaccine, obviously, right? So there's a lot of people that are educated getting the vaccine. They're terrified. And I think that that influence of fear is way more powerful than we think. And for those of us that, like yourself, Sarah, for yourself, you know, Marsha, for the people that are saying no, you're a lot more courageous than you think. And I think that, that we, that's been a powerful influence. That's why it's important to keep, um, you know, keep doing what we're doing, what you're doing, Sarah, because it inspires more people to step up. If no one steps up, everyone gives in to these fascist governments, and that's what they are because it is a form of uh, fascism. So it's very bad what's going on. And these people need to be held legally responsible and accountable. So... I believe that that's very important, what you're doing with the class actions, all the lawsuits, all the lawyers that are speaking up. I'm I'm actually surprised more lawyers aren't speaking up because it just shows you how useless they are because 80% of the lawyers out there, by the way, are useless anyways. So frankly, that's the... Statistically, that's the truth, actually. Just like 80% of the doctors are useless, and I might even say nurses, Sarah, because it's, you know, I hate to say it, but it's the... uh, ratio that has been studied in any industry 80 percent of police officers are useless 80 percent well but i think uh, it goes back to what sarah was saying you know and what you're saying it's the fear and it's like you know the nurses or the doctors you know and we've had a lot of doctors that have spoken up you know um sherry tenpenny and uh, you know merit and there's a lot of people who have spoken up about this but on average, there are people that are afraid of losing their job, their livelihood. They have children to take care of. You know, they're afraid of having the FBI come, you know, knock on the door like you did, Sarah. And yeah. it is the fear of, yeah. you know, just like you said, they don't, you know, they want to go outside, they want to socialize with their people. With us, the fact is, because we have seen what we have seen, we are suspicious, and and you know, we become jaded. 
I'm suspicious now of, you know, the medical because of, you know, my mom being murdered. So I pay very close attention to anything that to me seems unrealistic or where you're crossing over into my space trying to make me do something that I'm not comfortable doing. So, yes, there are a lot of people that are outspoken. And so what happens when those people who are outspoken and say, no, I'm not going to take the shot, what are they going to send over here to eliminate those people who are not malleable to whatever they say? You have people which, you know, call them sheep if you'd like, but that they will follow along and do whatever they're told to do because they believe that that will keep them safe. It won't. It won't. I mean, I'll just say this before I end. Uh, i got to go. But uh, last week, I think uh, the, the guest you had on, Michael Swinwood, I think he said it's, we need to get to 20% of consciousness population-wise to basically uh, properly lay the platform for crimes against humanity. So it's not ironic he chose the number 20% because that is actually what the 80-20 rule is that it's Pareto mm-hmm. principle, it's a principle in economics that you need, 80 per, you need 20% of the population on the earth to deny and refuse the vaccine. So, you know, these programs are great what, uh, for tonight, and uh, so my hat's off to everybody that's, that's up speaking up, protesting and doing everything. So I'm going to have to go, but thanks for being on All the right. program. All right, well, thanks for thanks. calling in and Thank asking you. a question. Thank you. Um, and for anybody else, if you do have a question, if you select one, you will be put into a queue, and Marty will bring you on to to ask Sarah a question. But, Sarah, you've been excellent because the information you're given, and I think I've cut you off, so I'm going to let you continue as to where you are now and what's going on and what are next steps. Okay, I, I think I kind of went over it. So, like, now we're the Canadian Frontline Nurses, and like I said, we're gathering nurses, we're educating the public, um, and bringing the ethics back into healthcare. But also, we're done fighting against this industry, um, like I said, and we're, we're building a, a new framework. And so, like I said, we have now the Mental Health Initiative, uh, but we're also looking, we have a podcast to Ask the Nurses, which is doing great, and it's very educational. Um, but also now we're working on, uh, so we have um, a nurses, um, our, our Canadian Frontline meeting, a nurses call, where we support nurses, but we also organize, and, and our calls are growing, and it's, it's amazing. But we've also started um, empowering the nurses that are with us um, to start their own, um, their own, like, nursing thing. So, like uh, there, there's people that are starting, they're more into, um, there's a nurse that, you know, she started her own agency, and so we brought her on. Or the, we had the forensic nurse on uh, last week, which was amazing, and she came and she educated us on so many things about health that she found out and all this. So we're trying to empower nurses to think about what they can, and, and not just nurses, actually, I'm, this is for everybody, you know, we should start thinking, you know, what's my passion? What can I bring to this new world? This is our chance. This is the, right. the, the veal has been removed. It's very messy right now. It's like healing. When I did my healing, when I opened up that can of worms, oh, it was messy. And I did not see the way out. But when I did get out, I was better and so much more empowered than before. So this is mm-hmm. our chance. This is our chance to 
say, hey, look, like, this is enough of this. You know, this is where we're going to go. So I try to empower people to, you know, stand and empower and, and stand in your power and find, you know, what's your passion? What's your talent? What can you bring to the world, um, you know, that's positive? Um, exactly. You know, and this new framework that we're doing, like, this is our chance. It's so exciting. So we like to empower people to start thinking about that and what can you do and how can you start? And, you know, it's one step at a time. It might seem overwhelming, but I mean, like we've been, we founded a Canadian frontline nurse six months ago. And I can tell you, like, we have so much stuff going on. Like I told you, we have the lighting up dark corners for mental health. We have stand for seniors for, uh, for seniors and for residents, but also we're looking into in that aspect, we're looking into, creating senior pods so we no longer want to be for for our residents and our seniors and our loved ones to end up in these facilities that are literally worse than jail. Yeah, um, that is excellent. That yes. I was sitting there thinking of this while you're talking is the nursing homes if you know setting up little pods and having somebody who comes in and you know sets us up and they've got nurses like you they have nutritional support where they do healthy food they do holistic healing you know um essential oils and not taking all of these toxic things and you yes. know have a, have these you know, little apartments for the elderly. And, you know, maybe some of them require more assistance if they have dementia, but if not, then that's what it was supposed to be. Assisted living was supposed to be more like that, but what we wound up doing is throwing people in long-term care facilities into nursing homes, and it just became people that didn't care and, you know, degraded and degraded and it's a shame because you walk in one of those facilities and you're like, oh, my God, I would rather die than live in a facility like this the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you can keep your loved one at – my dad's 93 and he lives with us. He's visiting right now um, in Florida with my sister. But he lives oh, nice. with us and I will put him in a nursing home. I can do that. You know, because I'm here with him, and it is not easy. It is the hardest thing I've had to do, but I don't want to put him in a facility like that. Families need to step up if you can, and I realize that some people cannot keep your loved ones at home. If you can, they're safest at home with you and, you know, get somebody to come in and help you. But what you're talking about, Sarah, setting up like these little pods is excellent, and that could be done Absolutely. all over, you know, every state, every city. And, you know, if anybody's listening and you think about doing that, that might be your strength. Exactly. And, it's, and, and I was told, we were informed that it's not that hard. You can have a property and have, you know, like a bungalow because, you know, stairs are always a problem. I mean, we can figure it out. You know, you can, you can get a bungalow and you can have three or four um, residents in there and run it very easily and it's supposedly easy to set up so this is doable it's just that we never thought of it right so we have school pods happening people are taking their kids out of school because there's a lot of programming going there and you know mm-hmm. now it's going to be like you need to be vaccinated if you're going to go to school so it's like right. a lot of people don't want to get their school so we're starting and but th- they're for- forcing us to create our new framework which is kind of awesome my co-founder Kristen Nagel she started a, a, a forest forging 
school pod thing. And now they're like six, I think they're up to like 60 families or 60 people. It's, it's amazing. And kids just go in the forest and learn in nature and, you know, like the way we're supposed to. And it's like, we can do this with everything, right? So Absolutely. it's great well, to well, open up the channel on that way of thinking, uh, you know, and, and start, getting, start getting excited. You know, start doing your own gardening and, you know, having your own oh, yeah. food, which is organic and, yeah. you know, living off of the land the way that, you know, people did years ago. That's not saying without, you know, electricity and water and stuff, but, Think outside the box, I guess, is what you guys are doing, and I, I think that's wonderful. I, I commend all of you for standing up. You know, you lost your job, but you have kept the faith, and you've been persistent. You're not giving in, and more people are joining you. I, I think that's yes. wonderful. Yes, we're we're really excited. Um you know, very scared at the same time because the the agenda seems to be moving very fast here, especially in Ontario where I live. Um, but at the same time, we have so many amazing people that we've met and so many amazing plans, and we're working on them. And so, you know, we just have to have faith and believe and just keep going, and it's going to happen. Right. It now, tell, you said that you have a blog. You want to tell our listeners how to get to that, oh. your Facebook, any of that? resource information yes. well absolutely we have a website um it's at canadianfrontlinenurses.ca and you can subscribe there you can uh we have a new newsletter so we're we're increasing a lot of things right uh we're planning on putting an an appendix an annex that we have that has so many resources that we send to the college of nurses and we're like hey this this is this is all the information like that everybody needs so we're going to put that up on our website um but we're also on pretty much every social platform, social media. So Twitter, uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram and YouTube, which we're really censored right now. We're trying. We're also on no, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but we're still going. We're still going. We're on Telegram, too. So people can really find us. And, you know, if, and um, on our website, you can also, if possible, I know I hate asking for donations, but, like, we need to keep going. And, like, we, we're – paying for these class actions it's a lot of money and like we've lost our jobs <laughs> so we do oh, ask exactly. if possible please, for donations on our website you can do that um but yeah apart from that we're pretty much on every like you can find us canadian frontline nurses um dot ca okay okay well good and you know maybe something... we have all of our initiatives there too. So nurses can go to, and we're always uh, looking for like you know. Also, if nurses are listening, like you're welcome, uh, welcome to you know connect with us, even if you're from the United States, because we're connecting uh, nurses that come. To, we have Australian nurses coming to us now, United Kingdom. So we're trying to form these countries too, right? Uh, but right. we accept nurses from everywhere on our Monday call, and there's a new. A Friday call for United States frontline nurses to support them, and you know, and and we're seeing the nurses in this call starting to be like, okay, you know, they're influenced by us positively, and they're like, I'm right. going to do what they do, and they're leaving. So you know, it's it's happening. It's slow, but but it's happening, and I think it's going to start happening faster now because it it's increasing and people are becoming like we can't do our jobs. Like you can't even give informed consent and say that you're not sure about the vaccine. Like that's crazy. 
Right, then you could lose your job. Now, this yeah. um, Ask the Nurses blog, um, oh, yes. how, do, how do they get to that? So, sorry, yeah, so that has its own YouTube channel, and we're actually on Apple Podcasts now. We're the first, uh, the number one nurses podcast, so that's pretty cool on Apple. I think we're on Spotify, too, but that's under Ask the Nurses. Yes, Ask the Nurses. Okay, all right, because that, that sounds quite interesting. We have new guests. Yeah, we have new guests, like several guests that come every week, and it's it's always really interesting. We had mm-hmm. a Sherry Tenpenny, like we have people like that come on, and we have a really good one with her if anyone's interested on, um, you know, it's, it, she doesn't call it shedding, because shedding is like when a virus goes live and sheds. Uh, this is more like spike protein, so it's like a transmission. It's more like gases that your body is, uh, but she's very interesting. There's n- a lot to learn there. Yes. Okay, yeah, I like Sherry Tenpenny. She's awesome. <laughs> Me too. Yes. So yes. I may I may contact you if I can't find that one because awesome. I definitely want, you know want to to hear listen in on her. So um, and and for the trolls, <laughs> what's that? Oh yeah, I'm too. I'm I'm too. Um, for the troll who turned you in to management, I you know have to say I hope something really bad happens because that you know what that's Funny a horrible story. thing. Story that troll followed me when I started Nurses Against Lockdown. Like followed me, um, you know, telling me, "Oh, you want to lose your other job? Oh, you're gonna lose everything? Oh no, Sarah, don't do this!" Like you're like trying to be nice and saying nice, trying to help me. And I kind of like let him follow me for a while until I figured out how to like block him on a page because I didn't know how to do it. Right. Um, right. I don't. You but, know what? I'm actually grateful for that person. <laughs> are you? Um, well, we have that. Yeah. Um, I and I think you joined our group, Murdered by Hospice, the Facebook group. Yes, I did. But we have trolls that will come on there and will say, you know, when well, they were in hospice, what'd you expect? They died. They just helped them yeah. die. And you know, and I'm like, you, you don't even get it. And no. you know, it doesn't do any good to talk to people who don't get it because no, I think all they're going to do is like, just charge you. Exactly. There's no use. But you know what? I've actually seen trolls switch on my page before. Um, because I don't respond to them. I don't, but, but other people do. <laughs> and sometimes, like, once in a while, they get to change one around, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and they'll stand so. up for you. So, Okay, we are um, out of time. Sarah, thank okay. you so much. This has been awesome. You're an excellent thank guest, and you have, you know, told us so, so much. So thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for standing up and standing with the elderly. Thank you so much for having me, and it's my absolute pleasure. Good. Okay. All right, and I'll be talking to you later and catching up on some things. So, All right, um, good night to our listeners. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back on the 2nd, I think, 2nd of June. All right, take care. Good night.